In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Dale Bertrand about the top five highest impact SEO tactics for e-commerce retailers. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 62. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plusky, and I'm here today with Dale Bertrand. Dale is the founder of Fire and Spark, a results-driven e-commerce marketing agency specializing in search marketing, content marketing, PPC advertising, and social advertising. I've asked Dale on the show today so we can talk about the top five high-impact SEO tactics that you should be spending your time on as an e-commerce retailer. So hey, Dale, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Welcome to the show. So to get started, can you tell me a little bit about what Fire and Spark does? So Fire and Spark is my agency. So we do e-commerce marketing. So I tend to work on the organic SEO side and also analytics. And then my partner runs uh, paid paid programs for for various clients. Yeah, it's it's funny. You're also in Boston, and I'm not a. The previous episode, I was talking with Ben in Boston and now you, so it's not very often. I get yeah, to we all about. seem to know each other. It's a, it's definitely a small community in Boston. Yeah, it turns out a lot, of, a lot of e-commerce. So I've actually had probably the fifth guest on the show, actually, from Boston. So it, uh, it's pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, want to kind of go through the strategies for SEO. Um, mentioned, so we actually talked at one of the events here in Boston, and I saw uh, some stuff you're talking about. It looked pretty neat. So kind of mapped out five different um, tactics that you would say most e-commerce retailers should at least be looking at or considering, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Talking about um, the focus on SEO. So definitely SEO can be hard for e-commerce sites. Um, e-commerce sites tend to tend to have issues like getting links like and getting, if you're reaching out to influencers, a lot of influencers are, are pay to play nowadays. So, so that can, can get difficult. Yeah. I feel like to the influence thing, it used to be this new concept and now like where people just want to like be part of it. But now, like you said, you have to basically pay the influence to even like get in the front door. So the tactics have switched in the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah. 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 We do our best to work with influencers that you're either excited about one of the brands that we're representing or we'll send them a product and ask for an honest review and, and get a link that way uh, for link building campaigns. So, um, yeah, but times have definitely changed. I mean, when we started doing this 15 years ago, you could send you could we were um, actually doing a lot of work in the mommy space. And you didn't even have to send a product, just send an email and they would get excited about it from the picture in the description and write about it based on that. And now people have realized you need to pay to get on the Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. Now people <laughs> realize it has value. <laughs> so yep. yeah, they're going to they're gonna charge for it. Everybody needs to get paid. All right. So top five SEO, and I think SEO uh, tactics. And then I think you had a bonus as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we definitely wanted to have a little something extra at the end, so... We'll, we'll go over the bonus later. All right. So what will be the first kind of thing people should start with when looking at SEO? Yeah. So, I mean, this gets in the conversation you and I were having a, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, we do a lot of work on a bunch of different platforms, uh, Shopify, Miva, um, Magento, and then a, a little bit on uh, WooCommerce. But um, all of the platforms make it or try to make it easy 
to um, to make to, to optimize product pages. So for for us, it really starts with going looking at a site, looking at it product by product, and doing doing some keyword research for each individual product. So it starts with the product details. I mean, obviously, we want to get we want to get that copy on the page, but we're looking for descriptive words. Um, and I'll give a quick example here. So you can imagine uh, one of our clients is selling an, an ergonomic chair. So it's a, an ergonomic desk chair. So we would describe it as ergonomic. We'd describe it as an office chair, um, things like that. Um, but what they, what they weren't talking about is things like what problems does it solve? So the chair would solve the problem of back pain or neck pain or something like that. So that's something that we also want to think about when we're looking at keyword research for product pages. And then what are the use cases? So for this chair example, the use case would, the obvious use case is like in an office environment. So we'd look at office chair, but maybe also home office or something like that. So when we're looking at keyword research for product pages, we're really looking at the descriptive words, problems uh, the product solves, use cases and the different, different places you might be using the product and then synonyms for for all of those words and and of course we want to we want to get those words on the product page so we're optimizing the product descriptions and h1s and and title tags really important uh not so much urls i always get the question if we should be stuffing urls into or sorry keywords into urls um that's that's old school doesn't work anymore um but we we are we we do love to get keywords into title tags. Yeah, I feel like the title tag is still one of those things just because you can't, and you can't go too far with it, right? There's like a limited number of characters they kind of recommend and anything over, I don't know what the number is nowadays, but there's some number. So you can't go, you can't say, let's put a thousand characters in there, right? You need to- be... Yeah, yeah, we try, we try to keep it under 65. It's yep. less than that on mobile. And Google's gonna look for keywords in the in the beginning of the title tags. So we try to fit what we can towards the beginning. But um, for, I mean, we're talking about product pages, so uh, we're optimizing a product page. You can only fit so many keywords in the, in the title tag. Yep. And then what do you do? Because I think we were talking about this before too, where a lot of folks, they're getting this recliner, uh, you know, a chair from their manufacturer and they're just taking these like descriptions, like right from the manufacturer and just like slamming them into the shopping cart. And yeah, I mean, the problem with that is uh, duplicate content. So Google doesn't need another page with the same exact description of the same product that exists on hundreds of other sites. So, so that's really difficult. Uh, if, you're, if you're using pro the, the manufacturer's descriptions, um, you're, you're really going to be competing with a, a lot of other sites that have the same exact description. And in, in that situation... Amazon wins <laughs> is really, really the way the way it ends up working. So, um, what what I would do is try to write your own descriptions, or maybe you're writing maybe you're writing articles or, or something unique on your site, so Google can rank that. Yeah, and that's one of those things too. If you're just taking it from the manufacturer, it's not that hard to beat them, right? A lot of those descriptions are very very short. Um, you know, they just kind of say the blue widget, and you can just kind of it just takes a little work. And if you just kind of go through and start rewriting them, I feel like a, a little can go a long way there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, um, it depends on the size of your site, obviously. I mean, we've worked with, we've worked with sites with $20,000, uh, sorry, with 20,000 products. So that, that can get, that can get to be a lot, but, um, yeah, it depends on 
what what your what products you're selling and where they're coming from and all that good stuff. It's obviously a lot easier if you're a brand selling your own products because then you have more control over descriptions and who else is selling and, and all that good stuff. And then at that point, you probably don't run to the, if you're a brand at that point, you're not running into this issue in the first place, most likely, unless you have, you know, hundred resellers because just folks don't have the same product and you had, you had to write the description from somewhere. So you probably, yeah, when it. you're, when you're small, you don't have that problem. I mean, we work with some larger brands that are competing against Macy's and, and Amazon for, for rankings. Yep. Yeah. So in that case, basically once you're competing, for if you're reselling a product, essentially drop shipping, anything like that, this description, it gets even now you're competitive because it's not now you're just not competing with other, you know, diff, other products, but you're competing with other retailers selling the exact same product. So now it's you've just like up the ante. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, from an SEO perspective, you would want to be the one, like one of the highest authority sites with with that product description and then you're you're usually competing against Amazon or or somebody else who's who's more established. Are you seeing folks do kind of like longer form or video or anything like different there or is it still just just good descriptions or is there some like something else you can kind of Well, so Google is a text-based search engine. So, uh, if if you want to get I mean people you want to get traffic from from Google. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, you're, so text is really the way to go. Yep. I do see people doing video and all sorts of other types of content, but it depends on the space. I mean, we, just a quick example, we work with someone in the automotive space who was selling a bunch of automotive products. And in, in that space, it made sense to do how-to videos. So maybe how-to videos make sense in your space. If people are naturally looking for help um, or, or they've got an issue where they would want to watch a video to, to solve the problem. Um, other people are going to Google, they're looking for a specific product and they probably have no intention of, of watching a video. They're, they're just looking, they're looking for a scented yoga candle or, or whatever it is. Yep. Okay. All right. So tip number two. Oh yeah. So then um, you and I had also talked about targeting gift keywords. So a lot of a lot of products that are that are or sorry a lot of brands have giftable products and then a lot of other sites that might be doing drop drop shipping um, also have products that might be giftable. Um, there is a whole world of gift keywords out there. So you can imagine anniversary gifts, toddler gifts, groomsman gifts, um, and then there's holidays, Christmas gifts. I mean, we looked into this a while back found thousands of gift keywords, which is insane when you think about it. So the key there is to really look at what gifts make sense for, or sorry, what gift keywords um, make sense for your products. Uh, so you could start by looking at who's buying it, uh, what are they buying it for, people buying, is this something people buy for anniversary gifts, that sort of thing. If you've got a larger site with more products, you might look at you know a, a subset of products. You build out a collection or a category with anniversary gifts or or something like that. But um, the the gifting space is huge. People are going to Google and they're typing in you know gift for my fiance, bridesmaid gifts. Uh, these, these are some good keywords to go after, and we, we've seen some some good results for long tail versions of of those keywords. Yeah, I love that idea. I don't hear that very often either. I don't have many people. <laughs> I honestly don't have many people doing that. And you could you yeah. could stretch that to like almost any product category, like automotive, like 
you know, new car parts for dad, or, you know, whatever, or the scented candles for Mother's Day, like things like that, that you could just, you, you could use this in almost any site, just a gift to someone, it would make a good gift. Yeah, I mean, most of the people I talk to have giftable products. So definitely something that you want to think about and figure out the right occasions for the products that you're selling. And, and like I said, if you have a ton of products, then it could end up being a ton of occasions, which, which is awesome. Um, it's just more, more content for you to write, more, more collections, what, whatever it turns out to be. Yeah, and I feel like the more of them you do, I mean, <laughs> you could even go for you know, some long tail ones and do the auto parts for mom and things like that. And you will probably be number one in that search and that search. And you could really just kind of, um, you know, crank out some different ideas. Yeah. And it's really just like coming up and coming up with some ideas, essentially list out every holiday. And there's probably a lot of long tail holidays out there that, you know, you could go for Valentine's day, but there's probably a lot of them out there that people aren't really, uh, going after so hardcore that you could kind of, yeah. So that's a good segue into number three that you and I had talked about. So, um, cause, cause we really look at the gifting occasions separate from holiday. So holiday, I mean, the holiday season is the end of the year. Everybody gets excited about ranking for and, and, you know, making as many sales as possible, uh, during, during the end of the year holidays, but there are other holidays. Uh, you mentioned Valentine's day, which is coming up, uh, which a lot of retailers are, are getting excited about, but there's also Mother's Day. So we have a, a jewelry client that we worked with who sells jewelry for moms. And Mother's Day is a, a big, big event for her. So um, I, th when, when we're looking at the holidays, I think it, it really starts with understanding that there are, there are many holidays, exactly like you were saying. And it's not just Black Friday, Christmas, even though that's a ton of traffic. Like there's more than that. So of the, the products that you're selling, where, where uh, like what, what holidays are the right holidays? And, and once again, if you're selling a lot of products, then you can, you could get, you could put together a program where you're, you're targeting a number of different holidays and then choosing the right products and putting together, putting together content for that. So then have so, specific product pages for a catalog of products that fall into, you know, your independence day, whatever collection, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Father's Day, Secretary's Day. I mean, there's so many of them. It really gets out of control. But people people are searching for all of these things. Yeah, I feel like, and this is something that, again, one of these things people aren't really going after. So, like, the, the competition here is, I'm guessing, relatively, um, you know, you're not going after hundreds of folks, or maybe not. But you could get pretty unique and start thinking of some really, like, long-term keywords where you, you could rank pretty easily up in the top. Yeah, I mean, that's that ends up being things like, you know, teacher appreciation gifts um, is a good keyword, but um, that there's com there's competition for that specific keyword, so you end up going long, long tail from there and looking at keywords like teacher appreciation gift for music teacher, like things like that, and um, really start to, to get into this realm of keywords that have non-zero value and not a ton of competition, but are really relevant to some products that you are selling. Because um, we, yeah, well, another thing you and I talked about, um, keywords that are like what makes a high value keyword. So obviously we want high volume, but we would ideally want low competition and that's hard. So you end up, you end up somewhere, somewhere in the middle, but they also, the keywords you're going after also need to be relevant 
to the products that you have, obviously, because that's what's going to determine whether they convert or not. Do you have any kind of tool recommendations to help out with ideas around that? I feel like, um, you, you know, start off with some brainstorming, but I feel like there's some tools out there that kind of nudge people in the right direction. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of them. Um, it really depends on how much you have to in, invest in, in software. Um, Ahrefs is a good one that, that we use internally. I think the price on that one's like $200 a, a month or something. And then um, what, Keyword Spy? And I'm trying to think of all of them off the top of my head. Uh, we, we use a, the keyword planner in AdWords, which is now Google Ads. Um, and that's a great free tool. Uh, the problem with that tool is that it's really geared towards paid keywords as opposed to organic keywords. A lot of people don't realize that. So that's, that's one thing you need to, need to watch out for there. So you use that and you kind of extrapolate out, okay, here's the, here's the paid, but you know, I can at least, at least gives you a weighted type of thing, right? And so, you know, Mother's Day versus, you know, Mother's Day in this long tail, it's 10% less or it's a fifth or whatever it is of the main keyword. Yeah, I mean, it's great for keyword expansion. So you know, like you're saying, type in Mother's Day and see what other keywords are out there. There's also the what keyword.io tool, which I've used. So you get a get keywords from there and then, but we would plug them, we would plug the keywords into one of our paid tools to get organic search volume um, rather than the paid search volume, which, which can be hard to interpret. Gotcha. Okay. And then next on your list, you had some stuff about alternatives to writing content. Yes, yes. I, yeah, I do remember <laughs> this one. You, you and I were talking about um, basically, so basically what it comes down to is with SEO, the standard process, we're trying to determine what keywords we want to rank for. And then everybody knows content is a good thing on the web. It's the way that I look at it is every piece of content that you publish is like a lottery ticket where it might rank for something valuable, uh, which is awesome. You might get some traffic, you might make some sales. Uh, the hard part is that content can be expensive and time consuming to write. So, you know, if you and I sit down and we come up with a hundred of these gift keywords that we want to rank for, um, it, it is, going to be time consuming to sit down and write a hundred articles. So what, what we like to do is to recommend collections or categories depending on what platform you're on. I mean, if you're on Shopify, it's a collection. You can, you can create a collection of toddler gifts or teacher appreciation gifts for music teachers or whatever, whatever it is. Um, we're going pretty long tail here, but, um, you can create, create that collection, add some products to it. As long as it's it's actually useful, I always like I always like the idea of putting a few sentences at the top to describe the collection using some of the keywords that you want to go after, so that you you're adding some more copy to the page. Um, but that can be a quick way um, as an alternative to to writing content or writing articles. Okay, so basically building these almost like a collection of collections, essentially. Yeah, well, yeah, like a, a collection of products. Products, okay. And then yeah. how much, so, you know, writing long-form content is obviously hard. How much, what's like the minimum you can write in these collections? Like, are you just writing a little two-sentence blurb up top? Or like, how much are you really, how much work is going to each one of these? Like, two or three sentences at the top is what we would do. And, you know, if, you're, if your site has any authority, you, you should be able to get them ranked for 
some some long tail keywords. I mean, if you if you if you take this strategy and you're going after the keyword Mother's Day, that's going to be very hard. But like we were talking about the long tail versions of that keyword, you should be able to get some traffic. Okay. So, and the benefit here is like the sky's the limit on these. Like it's not like um, these lottery tickets don't cost very much. So you can you create a couple of these at a time and just kind of keep rolling through them. And as you come up with an idea, try it. And it doesn't really like cost anything to keep adding them. Yeah, I mean, it, it costs you the time to to curate the collection. So what client, uh, sorry, what products do you want to put in this particular per collection? Um, we've, we've gone as far as like uh, gifts for toddlers, you know, age three, and then another one for age four, um, I guess they're not really toddlers anymore, but for children age two and then children age three. And because people are people are searching for that. I know I do several times a year, birthdays and and at the end of the year for my two kids. But um, we've we've created collections like that based on whatever products you have. Yeah, I feel like this is like a much more approachable way to generate content, too. And it's not because everyone kind of has the idea we're going to go out, we're going to blog, we're going to write these long form you know, very author authoritative articles that about the industry, and then you start doing it and realize that's really hard. Like it's gonna, <laughs> like, it's gonna take like actually like a couple days to write like a, you know, you could spin up garbage, but then no one's reading that. There's really no point. But really, the point is like, okay, you need to write something good if you're gonna write, and then that takes a long time, and a lot of work. But the collections, I feel like, if you know your products, you know your audience, you know, you know, you're familiar with the space. It's something with a lot lower bar to entry, you can create a few of them and try them at least and just see how they rank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've, we've gone to the, through the process of uh, doing keyword research, uh, building a list of a hundred, sometimes a thousand of these collections that we want to create. And then, um, you know, larger sites that you might be looking at will generate thousands of these pages and rank for really obscure long tail, um, keywords based on just tons of different collections that they put up and what's like what's something you would do with a client is this you would go through and use the tools start throwing ideas just whiteboard them come up with that so massive list? It, it, it totally depends on where the client is at so we've worked with smaller clients who are just getting started uh, they might need content they might need authority uh, we're, we're, we would be talking about how to how to rank higher for for specific keywords um, and then larger clients, obviously, you know, they already have a bunch of authority. They probably need content too. They might have some technical issues that we're working on on the site. Um, typically, when you're doing SEO, an SEO project usually starts with a technical audit, like trying to figure out what's broken that needs to be fixed. Um, I, I think a dirty secret in the in the industry is that there's so many technical issues that just don't need to be fixed. So that can end up being the hard part. I mean, we'll, we'll look at technical issues too, but um, a lot of them just don't need to be fixed. If it's really not preventing Google from crawling the site, if it's not preventing Google from indexing important pages, then, then we really care more about authority and content. Um, and that's what we're looking at. What's an example of a, um, you know, a technical thing that doesn't need to be fixed. Cause I feel like coming from an SEO guy at, um, yeah, yeah, you know, I know. I'm not usually, supposed to say that by the way. Yeah. They're usually we talk to SEO folks. They're like, you need to fix everything. Here's the <laughs> list. You need to hit every button. Like, you know, all the check marks need to be green. If there's one yellow or red, like it's over. 
But I feel like yeah, so hearing that. I mean, that, that bothers me. That bothers me because it's just not true. I mean, the the way to look at it is, I mean, Google started um, a while back, and when Google started indexing the web, there were a lot of broken uh, web pages. So built in Google's algorithms is the fact that um, like a, a, a an authoritative solid piece of content that Google wants to show to people who are searching, it might not be technically perfect. Like, but it's still in Google's best interest to, to show that piece of content to people. So what Google needs to do is compensate for the fact that it's not technically perfect and show it anyway. Um, I, it, and that doesn't mean that you can ignore everything. It really means that you'd want somebody to, to take a look at what's broken and, and figure out what you can ignore and then, and then move forward from there. Um, like when we do a, a complete audit, we'll end up, I mean, our complete audit is 60 pages long, so there's a ton going on there, but, um, we'll end up with maybe out of 40 or 50 technical issues, there'll be five that we think you need to fix. And then we'll move forward with, with content and authority, which is more important at that point. Yeah. It's funny. I was just talking to a, um, a prospect here and went to look at their site and I know they're, I think they do about somewhere in the seven figure range e-commerce um, business. And I look at the site and the homepage title tag is literally home. Like that's, that's, uh, that's a, uh, <laughs> like, really? And I, this is like a relatively large site and I know they do well. They have an, like that, that's your title tag. Okay. Um, well, so that's something we want to fix. Definitely. It, that's some low hanging fruit, <laughs> but it's funny. They still rank, they still actually do okay. Even with like, like it's amazing that Google can still you know, deal around that and like, okay, you're the worst title tag on the planet, but that's okay. We're still going to rank you for other things somehow. So it's, it's yeah, a good yeah. point. Yeah. They can actually yeah, still the, figure the out web, that. I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time obviously looking at websites and looking at, looking for technical issues and the web is pretty darn broken yep. um, from, from Google's perspective. And it just is from, from any technologist's perspective. So the search engines have to have to deal with that. And they would love, they'd love for you to fix everything and make it perfect. But that's, that's just not always the, the best use of resources. Gotcha. All right. I know that I know your fifth thing. I keep wanting to ask about it because I feel like it goes really well into the next point here. Um, so the fifth point uh, that you were going to say on what people should do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we had talked about internal linking. Yes. So, um, and I'm trying to figure out where to start here, but you know, with most sites, depending on how big your site is, your your authority is really likely going to build up on your homepage. Um, maybe other authoritative pages on your site that are getting links, because primarily authority is coming from links, and that authority will flow through internal links on your page. I'm sorry, on your site down to product pages. So if you have a large site, we're trying to get a lot of products to rank. So we want as much authority as possible and we want to, we want all of those products to be as few links as possible from the homepage so they get as much authority as possible. If you have very few products, it's, it's not as much of, of an issue because you've got a, you've got a smaller site, you can get links directly to the product pages or, um, you know, think about optimizing internal links or internal links also, um, Another thing that I want to point out there is if you're if you're building these holiday pages, so maybe you have a Black Friday page or a Mother's Day page or something like that, uh, one way to promote those pages is through internal linking. So you would link to them in the navigation on your site 
And then also you'd want to link to them during the season. You would want to link to them on the homepage. And, and if they're important enough, put a link in the footer. And these are examples of internal links that could really help important pages to rank. So it really depends on the size of your site and which pages on the site you're trying to drive authority to. And those are the ones you want to link to. And um, there's, there's a ton more we could talk about in terms of specifics, internal links on product pages, and then specifics of internal linking on category and collection pages. Um, but, but that's the overview there. And two important things there actually that I want to kind of hit on real quick is first, you're essentially, you're using the authority of the homepage to then like laser like focus on saying, okay, I have authority here and I want to redirect that to these very specific pages. So you're able to like control like where, what, whatever you get on the homepage, you can control where that goes essentially. And that's your whole internal linking plan, right? Yeah. And, and most sites, the way they're set up, the majority of their links are pointing to the homepage. Um, then these are external links, like other websites that are linking to you. So for most sites, they're, they're building up the most authority on their homepage. And, and like you said, they can redirect that homepage by linking from the homepage to other, other pages that are important. Um, it's, it's also possible that you have some other page on your website that's getting a bunch of links and a bunch of authority and the, the same principle would apply there. And then you, so you're essentially using, so you first try to get authority to your site and then you're essentially directing that laser like focus. And then the second thing you said is then at certain times, like pump up a certain page versus another one. So that mother's day, Valentine's day, like a certain time of year around that holiday, that becomes an important link And other times of year that kind of falls a little further back. Right. Yeah. So we're pri prioritizing all of our seasonal pages. So like you, we might have a site where black Friday is the most important page and then, and then Christmas and then mother's day, depending on what the site is. So those are pages that you could leave linked in your footer uh, and your navigation all year round if they're that important. But normally what sites would do is have a section on their homepage where they're rotating important links. And we'd want to, if mother's day is coming up, we'd want to get that link on the homepage 45 days beforehand, which is a good rule of thumb uh, to start to start to get it ranked and start to get some authority for those keywords. I like that. That's it's one of those things realizing that you have, you know, you have some control of what pages rank higher um, and you can't. It, it's your way of, you know, telling Google these are more important now um, and realizing that like the retailer themselves has control of that a bit. Um, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny, a few weeks ago, I did a um, episode. I'm curious to get your take on it while, while we're here on um, when or if you should be deleting products, right? That let's say a manufacturer is discontinued this product. It's never coming back. Would, and I know my opinion. I'm curious to hear yours. Um, what should you yeah. do with that product? Yeah, yeah. So um, what Google would say is if the product is discontinued, never coming back, then you should 404 the page because your Google does not want to spend send visitors to your site uh, for for that for that particular product. Um, there there are a lot of people who would three hundred one redirect it if it's never coming back. Um, it, it's it's hard to imagine. So I guess if you're 
you could 301 redirect it, but a lot of times it's hard to find a page to 301 redirect it to. So 301 redirected to the homepage, that's really not going to help you because you've you've really just swapped out a product page that Google thought was helpful for people who were searching for something specific and you, you're giving Google your homepage, uh, which is just not relevant to those searches. So you're going to lose your your rankings for those keywords. Um, if it's if it's temporarily out of stock, which is an, another situation, you could you could imagine uh, just leave the page up, and Google would would send traffic if you had some information about when it was coming back in stock. So that's a that's another situation. So it would make sense for Google to send traffic because you've got you've got useful information for people. I've always one thing I've done um, is leave that page in the catalog but remove it from the search, remove it from the hierarchy. So it doesn't actually, you can't, you can't find it, but Google still has it there and try to use that to well, like reference, Hey, this has been discontinued, but here are some alternative products. Here are some new versions. Here are some whatever. Um, and kind of use it that way to say, here are some other things you could do here. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. It's just, you know, Google's going to figure out <laughs> that there isn't much of value on that page and, eventually um, just just not rank it very well or, or send send traffic to it. Gotcha. Okay. So you did have one bonus um, at the end. So I know you said five, <laughs> yeah. but you, you had six. So, um, and the six is actually really interesting as well. So I wanted to kind of, before we run out of time, chat about that a little bit. Oh yeah. So you, you and I were talking about link building. Yes. So, um, you know, what link building ideas are working. So, um, for for people who might be new to SEO, anytime a website links to your website or a page on your website, uh, Google will see that as a as an endorsement, as like a vote of confidence of your your website, your product, whatever it is that the other site is linking to. So uh, just just talk about the importance of of link building. Um, I I had a I had a bunch of sites that that I had built a while back and got them to rank for some good keywords and and um, and those projects worked out well for me. Um, I ended up just as a, a an example here. I ended up spending like a month building the site and then another month working with a writer to get content and nice descriptions up on the site and then I spent three years doing link building because um, link building was was by far the the most important activity for me on that particular website because the website was new. It had no authority. Um, there was no brand. Like I really needed to figure out how I was going to get some authority to rank the content that I had put up on that site. So e-commerce sites are usually hard to get links to. I mean, if I, if I, just as an example, if I had a site in, let's say it was a pet supply site, I would love to get a link from the New York times or, um, maybe the a, a veterinary association website or something like that those would be awesome endorsements that would look great in google's eyes and i'd have authority and my product pages would have authority and that would be great but those are it's just extremely difficult in the e-commerce space especially if you're just getting started because people for whatever reason aren't excited to to link to um to e product pages and things like that um, a lot of times without without getting paid so what what we're doing that's working as of now is really giving away product and and asking for reviews. That's like the biggest thing that's that's actually working. 
Um, what we'll do is we'll, and it, and once again, it really depends on the product and the type of products that, that you're selling. But if you were, let's say you had a baby product, you're going after the mommy space, you could imagine sending emails to, um, to bloggers that you think might be interested in that product, asking them if they want some, um, let them know that if you, if you send them one, you expect them to write a review. Uh, and we've gotten anywhere from a 10 to 20 percent, you know, link rate on campaigns like that. And what that is, is if I were to put together a, a list of a hundred of those bloggers, we would get 10 or 20 links, which is, which is a good thing. Uh, we also talked earlier about how some of them are going to email you back and say, yeah, happy to do it. Here's what it's going to cost you. Um, we, we generally, we generally just, just skip past those and, um, and just continue on with, as a link building strategy. So unless they're a a huge blogger that have a ton of authority themselves. It probably doesn't make sense to actually buy a link. Like, how would you, I guess, how would you know, how would you determine his, his, how would you determine the authority of their site, whether it's worth even approaching them or if they do say, Hey, it'll cost X, you know, several hundred dollars, let's say something relatively small. Like when would you determine like this is worth it or that, you know, maybe they started last week and they have no authority themselves. So this is all just, for nothing like how would you know well, who's big versus i mean the, the way i would look at it is if you're just getting started with your site any link is a good link i mean just just get started um if you're if you're larger you've already had some press um then you you would want to go after higher authority sites and, and we use moz has a tool uh domain authority where we look at the domain authority and and just go based on that so it really really depends on where you're at and um, I cannot endorse buying links because it could lead to it could lead to penalties in Google. So um, if 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 you were to play by play by Google's rules and you were writing a check for it, then it's basically advertising. It's not really a link. Um, but there's there's a lot of gray area there. Um, we we can talk about when it's when it's not recorded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I mean. So you're not writing a check, but you're giving someone, you know, a free 30 day supply of dog food and in lieu of the link. Right. So it's not quite a monetary exchange, but it's a some it's a exchange of goods. Well, it's an incentivized link. I mean, if you talk to Google link. about it, they would say Google would say like they they don't want incentivized links. Um, it, it really depends on the space you're in and how much competition you have and how aggressive you need to be. Um, in your space for the the keywords that you're going after and and it depends on what your competition is doing um, a lot a lot of this is what I call like competitive gap SEO where you're taking a look at the specific keywords you want to rank for who in your space is already ranking for them uh, what would it take like what are you're looking at them to determine like what is their strategy to get that ranking and then what is what is the gap how do you make up that gap and if you're in a space where everybody's doing this gray hat SEO, um, that that can be difficult. If you're if you're in a space where you know there are more opportunities where you don't have to be quite as aggressive, then um, that's really we're really looking at a bunch of different strategies. But um, yeah, I mean, I I call that competitive gap SEO and looking at your competitors and what are they doing to to get the rankings that they've got. Yeah, and kind of knowing where you are first time, right? So if you're selling the dog food and you're competing with Petco, that's one thing. First, if you're in some extremely long tail space, there might only be three competitors and like none of them might be doing SEO. So just getting any link is already, you know, you've gone above and beyond. 
yeah, you're way ahead of the game. You might be selling ferret food instead of cat food. And, and <laughs> yeah. that, that works. So on the ferret food side, you just need a couple ferret bloggers and you're in. Yeah, yeah. A couple ferrets, give, give them typewriters and you're all set. <laughs> all right, perfect. I, no, I like that. That's that's one of those things too. You just, it's good. It's a good place you can just get started and it doesn't take like a, a big thing. You just kind of know some bloggers, make a list and just start approaching people. And it's probably something... I mean, a templated email, it's probably a pretty easy ask. And the bloggers, I'm guessing, get approached all the time. So it's not even like you're, um, you know, giving them this ridiculous suggestion that you're the first one that came up with this crazy idea. Yeah, this is yeah, but if, if, if you're a brand and you have something unique, um, it, it can work really well. If you're if you're a drop shipper and you've got a product that they've seen five times before, then that's a really hard, really, really tough strategy. Yeah. Is there something you would, if let's say you are a dropshipper, is there something you would do? I or? mean, the, then, then it comes down to all of the, uh, so the traditional strategies around creating content that is linkable and it's better than what else is out there, um, for in that niche. So, um, like, I mean, if you're a dropshipper, build a thematic site. So maybe it's, maybe it's groomsmen gifts, maybe it's, um, Bachelor party gifts was closely related. I'm, I'm trying to think of so a thematic site and then um, a going building content that's unique in your space. Uh, what, what you don't want to do is build kind of a try to build the everything store like Jeff Bezos did. Um, think you compete against Amazon. But these but what I see is I see brands big and small doing well, especially if they connect with their audience. And then the other thing that I see is these thematic sites that also can find their audience um, online. And I see those, those doing well. It's the, it's the everything store type of site that is, is really tough for, for link building. So if you're a drop shipper, it's more, the value is more that you're a curator of other people's products and you're more displaying them and talking about them. You, you're more coming up with, you know, Hey, he has just collections of products. I took other people's products. He has the best way distilling it down. Um, same thing like a fashion retailer. A lot of times, you know, they're not making the clothes, but they're finding other clothing that fit a similar theme. And, you know, these are, you know, pants for these type of people. And you're basically building like a collection around, like you said, a theme and you're curating it. And that's where the value comes from. Yeah. And like really knowing your audience. And so who's your, and then if you're not on Amazon, you own the customer. So you've, you've got the ability to follow up with email campaigns and, and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, <laughs> I guess that's a good place to end it then. So I think that was super helpful. Um, if folks want to reach out to you, they want to kind of learn more about fire and spark, where can they go? So fireandspark.com, all spelled out. I'm happy to give my email. So my email is dale, D-A-L-E, at fireandspark.com. So yeah, absolutely. If anybody has questions, reach out. Happy to, happy to answer SEO questions. Awesome, Dale. Thanks a lot for that. It was great chatting with you. All right, cool.